Spiritual warfare, what is it exactly? Often, we recognize that we are in a spiritual battle, but it can be unclear how the enemy attacks or even how we gain victory. In this series, Pastor John Metter of Cross City Church shares insights into how best to prepare for and defeat the enemy. It's a war, but there is a clear winner. Hello, thanks for joining us. This is John Metter in our Life is War podcast. I wanted to do a special episode on um, the subject of the seven levels of oppression. You know, in our past episodes, we've talked a little bit about how uh, the demonic world comes against people in general, Christians in specific as well. And uh, we've also used the term uh, not demon possession, but demon oppression or harassment. And uh, it's possible for a Christian who is interrupt by the Holy Spirit to be oppressed by demonic powers. And sometimes those go really deep uh, into our history and to the experiences we have early on. Sometimes they're layer by layer added onto our lives. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I, I want to give credit to Rick Renner. Rick Renner has an excellent series of devotionals that are really um, detailed Bible studies of particular verses in the scriptures using his uh, notable authority in the Greek to bring to light some verses. And uh, these are called sparkling gems of the New Testament Greek. And uh, in, in that 365-day devotional, he has uh, he, he gives lots of insight about spiritual warfare. I and mean, recently, he came out with uh, an article that I saw online on seven levels of oppression. And, and I was uh, so captured by this particular uh, article because I'd seen it so much in my own life and the lives of others that I have counseled with over the years uh, at how uh, how it happens when someone is oppressed, harassed, um, distracted by uh, spiritual powers of darkness and affects dramatically the way they think and the way they act. And so I want to talk to you about that a little bit today. So I'm going to go back and forth between his article and uh, my own experience. I'm going to use some of his experiences that he wrote about, and uh, I'm also going to interject some of my own experiences. And uh, so as we begin, let's just kind of think about uh, a blank slate of somebody's life, and and uh, as they are younger, things happen to them to one degree or another. Rick Renner starts his very article by saying when he was younger, uh, he began to have a voice that he believed spoke to him, and this was not an audible voice, but in his mind, he was being told, there's something wrong with you. There's something really wrong. You can't compete with the other guys physically on the athletic field. Uh, you can't do what the other guys can do. And and he remembers these words just striking, striking, striking at him. And uh, every, every day at school, he would have these feelings of failure reinforced by voices speaking failure over him again and again and again. And he saw that as he looked back as an assault on his character, assault on his uh, self-image. Um, and he was drawn to other things like art or music and museums and things of a creative nature. He was just wired differently. But uh, to hear that inner voice speaking to him, he felt like he was a freak for liking the thing that he liked, and the questions kept coming as he began to grow. What's wrong with you? Uh, there's something really wrong with you. Uh, those kinds of things. Uh, you know, when I read this, I remembered my own hearing loss as a young boy. I lost my hearing uh, when I was about five and a half or six years old. Uh, and I remember the first few years at school, in the elementary school that I went to, I was among friends, and those friends were uh, 
very understanding about what uh, I had gone through and my failure to hear, whereas before I could hear just like them. And uh, I'd lost nearly all my hearing, 95% of it. So I was really incapacitated in the classroom. I remember in my own mind, uh, as a young boy in the second grade, third grade, fourth grade, uh, thinking, what's wrong with my brain? Why can't I understand what other people understand? Even though I knew it was my hearing and I, I was conscious of the fact that, um, that it was simply my hearing and not my brain, so to speak, uh, I still felt a fear, feeling of inferiority, uh, inadequacy. Uh, I couldn't carry on conversations like other people could. When the teacher asked a question, I was never the first one to raise my hand. In fact, I rarely raised my hand because... Uh, when I did, I often had not heard the question correctly and uh, would have the wrong answer, which would always kind of set off the classroom. And when I moved to a new town, uh, all those friends that kind of understood um, were replaced by classmates that did not understand, and I became the, the butt of jokes. And so it's just one of those things that happened to people one way or the other. With Rick Renner, it was something completely different. Uh, with me, it was the hearing loss. And uh, so Rick Renner... In his article, begins to uh, introduce those kinds of things uh, in terms of his own history and then goes into the seven levels of oppression as a result of that. And level number one, he called a personal attack. And the personal attack is against the mind and the emotions. And he reminds us that the devil is diabolus. He is the one that's striking, striking at us over and over again. And so in Rick's mind, he heard this message, you're stupid, you're a failure, uh, you can't do what other people can do. And he felt very targeted by that. Um, and I identify that with that completely. Um, even though I uh, was, you know, naturally athletic in, in terms of my giftedness and my ability to do things on a ball field, uh, I could not do things in the classroom. I tried to keep up. I was always behind. And so it began to affect me. It also affected my social ability. My hearing loss affected my social ability. I would much rather have been by myself than to have been with people. Because to be with people means that you have to hear what they say and answer them. And, and, uh, and if you get it wrong and you're a kid and you're amongst people that are not really sensitive to that, uh, they laugh at you. They mock at you. And and so you feel embarrassed. So that personal attack begins to be very real. And that seems to be the first step for oppression in the long haul. Level number two, according to Rick Renner, is reinforcements. Now, during the second level of oppression, he says, the devil sends reinforcements to fortify his mental and emotional attack. And he will use people who will yield to him to corroborate the lies. Um, he remembers an actual teacher in his classroom who knew his father and who uh, did not have a high opinion of his father, and he continually reinforced the negative opinion of his father upon Rick and saying, you know, if you're a renter, if you're the son of this guy, you're not going to amount to anything at all. So people reinforced that initial idea of a wound or a failure or an inadequacy or a bad experience, and, and I can identify there too. There were certain people that just would not leave me alone. They just not. They would never understand uh, that I couldn't hear that the way they could, and they, they were they were bullies. They were emotional bullies. They didn't physically try to bully me, but they were emotional bullies because things like putting their hand over their mouth and and, and them talking about me and everyone else around me laughing, but they that they knew I couldn't understand what they were saying, and so they they stayed pretty safe by remaining obscure at the same time mocking me. 
so those kinds of things just begin to reinforce the, the thing that you have in your mind. I'm not adequate. I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. Level number three, life experiences and disappointments. In stage three, the devil uses negative life experiences and disappointments to fortify his deceptive lies. Uh, Rick Renner identified with that pretty well. He was not doing well in math. He was not doing well in English. Uh, he was just not doing well in a lot of classes. So it reinforced this idea that he was stupid. He couldn't measure up. Uh, for a person to know Rick Renner's work, works today, his amazing grasp of linguistics and uh, the Greek language and his uh, incredible ability in mathematics and so forth, is to look at two different pictures, an adult that is extremely intelligent and proficient and a young boy that was pretty much harassed. Uh, and I can see that in my own life as well. Um, it happens with different people in different ways, but... But that uh, life experience and disappointment really began to eat away at me. And at some point, I felt like God himself was withholding from me, withholding an ability to hear, an ability to function socially, an ability to hear what people said, an ability to do well in the classroom. And I began to blame God a bit. Rick Renner never said that himself about his own experience, but I began to blame, blame God. And there was pretty much a deep-seated anger that, this didn't change, and why didn't this change? Why was I subject to these things? Level number four, influential voices. I shared with you that Rick had a teacher who disliked him, and uh, I would say in the same way, there was a nemesis that I had when I was growing up. He, he always wanted to mock me, always wanted to ridicule me, never really held back. Um, I think what he was looking for was he was looking for affirmation from the people who might laugh at what they thought was funny. And so he constantly did that to get a reaction from everybody else. He had no idea what he was doing to me personally, but I knew deep down inside that it just increased my inadequacy and it cre increased my anger by those influential voices. And I just pause right here uh, in the middle of this little uh, talk because <clears throat> I want you to realize that what we say to people and about people does affect them. And I know the old statement, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But I want you to consider the fact that that's just not a true statement. Um, I think as an adult and as a balanced adult, I could probably say that. You can call me a name. It's not going to affect me. But to a child, it's going to, it's going to radically influence the way they view themselves or what they think that you think of them. And um, it's really, to me, common for kids just not to be conscious of the feelings or the struggles of anybody else around them. But if you have any influence in those kinds of conversations, if you have any influence over your children or others, teach them to empathize and sympathize with people that are not like them. Teach them to speak kind words, good words, to uh, allow for other people to not be at the same level you are athletically or artistically or musically or uh, in hearing or sight or whatever it might be um, because we, we all have something. And I suspect that if we all had our something exposed, uh, we would all be pretty vulnerable. Uh, but I've learned in life now that I'm uh, years past all that. Decades later, I look back and I go, you know, everybody I've met has something in their life that they don't really want anybody to know about that makes them feel deficient or somewhat less than enough. Uh, so be sensitive because everybody's got something 
And it's important for us to show kind words instead of being negative influential voices. Be a positive influential voice. Level number five of oppression begins to get really serious. It's what Rick Renner calls negative faith. Uh, and basically, they begin to put faith in the lie that is said about them. They begin to believe, this is who I am. I'll never be able to handle math, the languages. I'll never be able to be proficient physically, Rick Renner would say to himself. I, in my own life, said I'll never be able to master the classroom. Uh, I hope I can graduate from high school okay. Uh, I'll never be able to really be proficient at conversations. I'll never be able to talk on the phone. Um, all those kinds of things began to be something that influenced the way I thought about my life. And I began to realize I am actually believing that I am less of a person than someone who has hearing. Now, that's not true, but I began to believe that. And I believe that in my life, I began to feel a you know, spiritual resistance to believing that God could do anything with my life or that I could do anything with my life. And uh, that's what Rick Renner began to experience, too. And he said this. He said, what you believe is important. If you believe a lie, your believing will empower that lie and will become your reality. Conversely, if you believe the truth, the truth will become your reality. Whatever you believe becomes your reality. Uh, and I, I, I see the scriptural basis for that as well. Uh, scripture says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And it doesn't just refer to the fact that he made it one day become that. It, 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 it literally says he is what he thinks he is. He is what he thinks about himself. And what an incredibly uh, powerful kind of reminder that we need to be thinking the right things about ourselves and we're resisting the wrong things. Then level number six, what is believed becomes a living reality. Rick in his article says, when lies are believed and embraced, they leave the mental realm and enter the physical realm. And whatever you have believed becomes your reality. If you believe that lie long enough that that you're stupid, you'll become stupid. If you believe you're a failure, you will eventually become a failure. If you believe you're a freak, you'll reinforce that with your behavior. And when you believe the lie, then you, you tend to follow in that direction. Now, I realize these, these statements may be somewhat controversial to those listening today, listening to me today, but, but I will say also that these are moments where uh, a person that's struggling in these areas needs to learn to step out of that pattern, step out of that way of thinking, step out of that way of living, because Christ does have so much more for us. And I would say at this point that when I was struggling with all that going through my high school years, junior high and high school years, I began to read the Bible in a different way. It wasn't until I was about 19 years of age that I really began to believe what the Bible said about me. Now think about living all of your teenage years under the, the shadow uh, of what you think is the reality that you'll never measure up socially, you'll never be able to interact, never talk on the phone, never uh, carry on the kind of conversations others carry on, never succeed in school. So what, what in the world is there for you to do? Who would have you as a spouse? Who would have you as a friend? Who would have you as an employee? And believe it or not, those are questions that I ask in my earlier years. Uh, so if, if you learn to believe those kinds of things, those kinds of lies, they almost set you up uh, for failure. But at that point, the Bible became more real to me than my own thoughts did. And I began to believe that God could redeem all these things. If he could redeem my soul, he could redeem the problems I had, the result I had of a hearing loss. And I've watched that unfold. And I, at that point, 
I kind of depart from these seven levels of, of oppression because I never experienced the domination that some experience due to the grace of God. I've never experienced that, but some have. Rick Renner moves to level number seven, and he calls it domination for a lifetime. The ultimate aim of the enemy is to take us hostage so he can dominate us for the rest of our lives. And, of course, at that point, he tells his own story, his own testimony. Uh, I know people that morally compromised when they were young. And as a result, they saw that's just who they were. And they lived their adult lives in that moral compromise. I know people that have made choices from early on whether the choices to drugs or alcohol or sexual experiences or choices they made that began to put them behind the, uh, um, the, the curtain of illegality. They, they did things that were wrong and illegal, and they just began to go down that pathway of, of a criminal life. Uh, and they thought, that's all I am. That's what people like me do. That's what people that have experienced what I experienced do. And they basically have believed the lie, and they they have uh, they dove into the deep end of that concept of who they are. But Rick Renner's article says something that I want to share. It says you can pull down the devil's lies in your mind. In the New Testament, Second Corinthians chapter ten, verse three, four, and five says we are destroying fortresses. We're pulling down strongholds. We're destroying all those lies and all that deception that makes us think in the wrong way. Even if we have been subject to that kind of stuff for many of our lives, many years of our lives, the Bible tells us we can cast down all those imaginations. And it literally means we can disassemble, destroy the walls that keep us confined to that kind of thought and that kind of behavior. And here's what my encouragement to you is. Look through your life. If you've got some bad habit patterns that are there and you wonder how they started and you're already saying, well, that's just who I am. I want you to think again. That's not who God designed you to be. That's not what God had planned for your life. It's certainly what the enemy had planned, but it's not what God had planned. You're going to live at the mercy of all those attacks on your life and your mind, your psyche, your feelings about yourself, or you can learn the truth about yourself and the truth can set you free. Whoever has your mind has you. And that's why God wants your mind. And that's why God wants you reading about what he says about you. As I walked through the book of Ephesians many years ago now, I walked through that book with the realization that everything that the book of Ephesians says about believers, it says about me as a believer in Jesus Christ, that I've been bought, I've been paid for, I've been purchased, I've been redeemed, I've been loved, uh, I've been made righteous, uh, that God has an incredible plan for me that he determined before the foundation of the world. That's Ephesians 2.10. And that I'm living my plan out, the plan God has for me. I'm living it out, not under the compromise of false ideas, but under the umbrella of his truth in my mind and in my life. And what I want to encourage you to do is to know that if you have oppression in your life, God has a better plan for you. God has said that you're perfect in Christ through the blood of Jesus, but your flesh is going to tell you you're a failure. God declares you're his very own in Christ, and there's no condemnation for those of you that seek to walk with him. But the enemy, Rick Renner says, will assault your mind with thoughts that you are a guilty sinner. The enemy always wants to lift his thoughts up over our 
truth that God has given us. So it's really important for us to anchor in on the truth. I want to encourage you today. You can choose which voice you listen to. And you can keep listening to the lie or you can begin to listen to the truth. Years ago, I heard an old illustration about two dogs, a black dog and a white dog. And uh, a man, of course, this is a made-up story. A man traveled from small town to small town and allowed the dogs to fight. And he would always tend to bet on the right dog. And as he accumulated money, somebody, somebody began to follow him around from town to town and asked the question, how do you know which dog will win? And the man's answer was, whichever dog I feed that day wins the fight. And the idea behind that, of course, is illustrating that if you feed your flesh and the thoughts of darkness, then that's going to win the battle more often than not. But if you feed your spirit and the truth that God gives us to your mind and your heart, then you're going to win the fight more often than not. We're all going to be in a fight. But God has called you to do something a whole lot more than you can possibly imagine. As you think about these seven levels of oppression in your own life, maybe they apply to you. Maybe they apply to somebody that you're close to that you know that you love. And uh, I would encourage you to share this podcast with them. But here's the deal. Life is a war. And sometimes the most dangerous battles take place when we're young and when we're relatively unprotected. So it's so incredibly important for us to look around us and be a part of the solution in other people's lives but allow God to be the solution in your own life. I hope the Life is War podcast has been encouraging to you, and I hope this particular episode has shown some light, maybe in some areas of your life that you just needed to hear about. Whatever the case, my prayer is that you'll walk in freedom through the power of Jesus Christ, because life is a war, but Christ is our victor. Don't forget that. Thanks for checking in with us on our podcast and staying with us through the Life is War series. I hope to see that you've checked in in another podcast at another time. God bless.